What's up, podcast world? Back at you. The Foul Life. We're here. Another one coming straight at you from the state of Wisconsin. Truly enjoying my time here. Never hunted here. Never filmed here. It's been a freaking blast. I think the thing I love about... We were, we were in a bar today, like this just this little tiny community bar and everybody in there, the locals all obviously knew each other, but they treated us like family. They treated us like locals. 15 minutes into the experience, we're watching football, we're telling stories, we're drinking a cold beer, cheese curds, all of the other things that come with the just like the whole aura of Wisconsin, man. I love it. It's just the, it's different up here. And I was telling somebody the other day that when you think Wisconsin, you automatically think Lambeau Field, you think Green Bay, maybe Milwaukee a little bit, you think beer, the brewers, but the country here is on a different level from the cropland to the farming, the ranching, the woods, the wildlife, the lakes, the water. It's absolutely, in my opinion, it's God's country. It's as pretty as Florida. It's as pretty as Montana. So many pretty places in this country. And I kind of uh, skipped on, on, on Wisconsin a little bit. And now I'm sold 100%. And the main reason for that is because of the people. They're so inviting, so giving. And we've made fast friends. And today I'm honored to have one of those new friends on the podcast. You've heard him here before. The one and only Joel Clayfish. Is it Cleefish or Clayfish? It's spelled Cleefish. It's cl- Clayfish. All right. And you are a news anchor. <laughs> I was. You once were. Upon a time. But you still practice it quite a bit. We're going to get I into do. that in a minute. I want to know what it takes to be a good news anchor. We have Anna V at Anna V Outdoors on Instagram. She is a true badass when it comes to hunting, killing, being unapologetic. Raising dogs, running dogs, hunting gun dogs. She lives the gun dog lifestyle. And the thing I love about her the most is that she literally wants to get more women and kids involved in the outdoors. She's always on her A game when it comes to representing this American culture of hunting and gun dogs. Anna, welcome. Thank you, Chad. You're welcome. And last but not least, we have probably the best pitcher in the major leagues right now, for sure. I don't know. The Gron is pretty good. Um, but I think Walker Buehler is the best pitcher, in my opinion. I love watching him throw. He's so unassuming, but his mechanics are perfect. He's got a dirty fastball, dirty off-speed. But I love him because he supports the outdoors, and he's just so humble. And, uh, you know, he came out of winning the NCAA championship at Vandy out of Nashville. Goes to the Dodgers. Wins a World Series with the Dodgers in year three, and then year four is in the playoffs again. We're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to talk to him why he's in Wisconsin, how excited he is. So thank you all. Walker Bueller, how are you, my brother? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be out here. This is uh, we, we got no season right now in, in Kentucky, so I had to skip out and come up here for a little while. When you say season, do you does it, is it hard to get – that transition from 162 game season and then you're into the playoffs. Do you look forward to the end of it? I know that you're a competitor and I know that you're focused on the end game with baseball, but do you love this time of year when you're in the woods, you're fishing, you're hunting, you're with your fiance, you're with your family, or are you that guy that has to be in that competitive nature all the time? No, I love it. I I think my fiance would probably tell you, I I take a little too much advantage of it. I I do about a month where I just kind of hang out and don't do a whole lot and, um, probably drink too many beers and, and whatever, but um, no, you've got to separate from it. I, I, our season's long enough. I, I think 
playing 162 games in 180 days, there's there's a natural kind of month that you've got to take off and, and enjoy yourself and, and you know, going out and, and doing shit, I, I think for me is has become part of that. I got to ask you this and then move on with the little, little story about Joel real quick. But every kid, in my opinion, grows up wanting to be a major league baseball player. I did, but I just sucked. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't? What if you got hurt? What if you didn't get drafted? Would you want to work in the outdoors? Would you be a sports announcer? Would you be a stock trader? I'm going to guess it's probably got something to do in the racing horse world because I know your fascination and no. admiration of racing horses. But what would you be doing if you weren't a flamethrower for the Dodgers? No, I mean, you have you have the stuff that you would dream of doing, right? So baseball player is one of that. And, and now, like, I'm doing that. And the dream for me is, like, to do the horses stuff now. But if none of that could have happened or, you know, the baseball stuff couldn't lead to me doing that, Um yeah, I think lawyer was kind of always the thing that my, my mom's a, a lawyer and has her own practice in, in Lexington. And um, I was a poli-sci major in college. So that was kind of the, the fallback or the the plan outside of, of what I'm doing now and, and was fortunate enough to stumble into some opportunities and, and be talented or, or whatever enough to, to get where where I am now. Joel, you when you heard that Walker was coming to camp, you're a sports fan all around. You were actually the on-field announcer for the Pepperdine Wave baseball team. That's right. In college, I played against Pepperdine at Pepperdine. I love the yard. I think you were ten to twelve years older than me, so I don't think that you, <laughs> I don't think that you announced my games when I was playing against Pepperdine. For the Pepperdine. record, I'm three years older than you. Okay, well, we didn't have to say that. <laughs> But what what is it what fascinates you about the game of baseball? And I know you're a lifelong Brewers fan. We'll get into uh, how Walker performs against Milwaukee. But Bob Euchre, you got Pete Vukovic. This, the the movie Major League was filmed right here in That's Milwaukee. Right. It yep. was based out of Cleveland, but it was filmed right here. It's literally. I know there's Field the of Dreams, and I know that there's Eight Men Out, and I know that there's several several um, Bull Durham. There's so many great baseball movies. But Major League, to me, is my all-time favorite. I think you agreed with me on that on a podcast, didn't you, Walker? 100%. Major League is so legit, right? But what what is it that draws you to athletics, baseball, just that whole idea of America's pastime? Well, the state of Wisconsin and its sports, I mean, we have a really unique relationship with our, our sports heroes here in the state of Wisconsin. You know, we've got the only NFL team that's owned by the fans. And the history of baseball in Wisconsin back, you know, from the Braves and Hank Aaron playing here up through the, the modern Brewers and how long Bob Euchre's been here. And then, you know, I don't know if I told you, but I, I actually had a bit role in Major League when it was uh, filmed here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was a hot dog vendor. And uh, do you remember my scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you don't because it <laughs> hit the cutting room floor and never made the movie. But uh... <laughs> So you weren't really an extra. No, I wasn't really in the movie, but. I was I was a paid extra for that movie at the time. So we have such a rich history, um, you know, in Wisconsin with baseball. And, and to have somebody like Walker Bueller, you know, come in. And that's one of the things that I've noticed since you guys have been here. And, and even since, you know, he's been here with us for dinner uh, tonight. I mean, the genuineness that comes uh, from, the, you know, this young man who who's one of the 
arguably the best pitcher in baseball right now. And he comes in and he's enjoying uh, wild duck dinner with us tonight. And we're talking about our hometown and our families. You know, that's kind of what Wisconsin's about. And that's kind of what we uh, look up to in our sports, uh, you know, our sports stars and our sports players in this state. So to have him here and, and come and be a part of this and be a part of, you know, what the provider is all about, taking something from the field to the table is just super exciting. It's great to meet him and great to have him here. It's just uh, it just really is an honor, and you're just you're just a straight up dude, man. <laughs> cool as shit, Walker Buehler. Anna V, I got to ask you about what you've witnessed here at camp, Joel's house, the Airbnb, everything we've been doing. You spend a lot of time at lodges and camps, and you're you're working dogs and meeting different folks. I've always talked about the different walks of life that come together because of this great heritage and culture of hunting and the outdoors. It's pretty neat, right? Like you got to love it being a, a woman that is a leader in your space, but just the humility that comes with this. One day you're talking to a veteran. The next day you're talking to a major league baseball player. Then we got Corey over here, our producer that, that, that picks a guitar and sings as pretty as anybody, the songbird of his generation. Oh yeah. Well, I've been on the road now for like two straight months over four states. And I think I've had more, experiences in the last 48 hours of the whole two months combined. Um, so showing up, I didn't realize at first that you guys didn't know Becky and Joel. I thought everybody knew each other and I was like the newbie on the block or whatever. And then I realized everybody had just met. And so I have learned that about Wisconsin too, about the community here and just how they embrace everyone. And so of course, when I open my mouth, I stand out a little bit, but um, everybody has just been so nice, and I always look forward to coming back here. I do, too. I love Wisconsin. But, you know, this is the Foul Life Podcast. And, Walker, in today's world of sports and social media and agents and political correctness, um, how difficult is for you? You live in a pretty liberal city during the season. That's not sugarcoat anything. Mm -hmm. I love Los Angeles. I love Laguna. I love Newport. I love Huntington. There's a lot of things about SoCal that I like. San Diego to Temecula to L.A. area. But here's the deal. Is it hard to get away with this lifestyle? And I say get away in the modest of terms of like, no. do you have to hide it that you enjoy harvesting animals to provide food and bounty for your friends and family living in that type of area? And are you afraid to do it? I know that I've seen some of your social media where you're holding up some ducks. Do you take slack from your agent or from anybody within the Dodgers organization? No, not not in the organization, not in the not. You know, I have no qualms about what I want to do in the offseason and where I'm from and, and what we do. And, and to be honest, my family didn't grow up hunting. This is something that I've kind of stumbled on as I've grown up and, and independently and um, has become really a, a big part of my offseason and that it's an outlet and, and something that, you know, I remember somebody asked me, like, how did you start duck hunting or whatever? And my thing was like the my favorite part of it is putting putting decoys out in the morning and standing there and being kind of alone that that's that's something that we don't get during the season and and it's hard to kind of explain why that would be so important but it but it is and it's become a, a big part of my life but um you know you know i think in la like our fans are who our fans are and they're unbelievable to to us and and unbelievable to our team and but a lot of the viewpoints are a little bit different from from where i'm from and uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It, it just simply is. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't post something every time I hunt. Right. But 
I still do post something every once in a while that, that I'm hunting and, and it's because it's part of who I am and, and I think what leads to success, which is why they follow me in the first place, right? So, um, yeah, you've got to walk a fine line, but, you know, I'm not I'm not posting videos of me skinning out a deer, but I'll put up a picture of me in camo and, and holding up a couple ducks. I, I think that's a that's a fair compromise, I guess. You've got to be tactful have a lot of class when you do it joel in your career you've had to walk that that fence you know that plank of you've hosted shows and events with the other side democrats if you will we we can all see eye to eye in ways if you get to know people but you are facing kind of the i guess mindset that a lot of their thoughts go against a lot of what our beliefs are being conservative as far as the hunting goes. I don't even want to get into the Second Amendment or guns and the legality of defending our family and our homes. But as far as killing animals, this is a big deal to me in politics because I want the support that the education part of it. And I've always talked about how a lot of people when it comes to politics vote with their emotions and they don't rely on the science. And the science will tell you that bears need to be managed. Predators need to be managed. The duck population needs to be managed for the new ones to come in. There's a reason why there's so many Atlantic geese in the Atlantic flyway now because of the sweat equity of hunters and the financial terms that we set forth with the buying of licenses and duck stamps and everything. Okay, we do a lot for conservation. Hunters are the ultimate conservation. So it's an easy answer. It's a no-brainer. But in politics, we get people that vote with their emotions without even caring about the scientific data that supports everything that we stand for. How did you deal with this over your political career? And now you're the husband of the leading Republican delegate for the governor of Wisconsin 2022, your lovely wife, Rebecca. I love her to death. And she eats wild game every single day of That's her right. life. So how do you deal with this? Look, it's about logic. It's about education. It's about shows like yours. It's about like guys like Walker Bueller getting out in the field. Because if you say to somebody very logically, someone who's opposed to hunting, you say, well, do you eat hamburgers? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, 19 out of 20 people eat hamburgers. And you say, well, you tell me. Uh, a cow that is born as a calf in a pen, raised uh, for however many years to be slaughtered and, and becomes your hamburger, what's a better life for an animal? Uh, compared to a wild animal that lives its entire life free roaming, completely wild and gets whacked one day and ends up on the dinner table. And then you see this look in people's eye when you tell them that. They say, yeah, I, I do eat hamburgers. And that's an animal that was born and raised to be killed uh, versus a hunter who's going out and uh, harvesting a wild animal that ends up on their dinner table. And all of a sudden, a light switch flips. You know, we had, uh, when I was in the legislature, we had the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus that I was uh, co-chair of, and we had 22 people come and fire a gun who had never fired a gun before in their life of both political persuasions, Democrats and Republicans. And I will say there are people in there who were previously opposed to hunting who fired a gun the first time and said, I can see that this is a tool now. And they've ended up as hunting buddies of mine. Literally people who had never held a firearm before are now calling me saying, hey, you got room in the blind for me to come out and goose hunt with you because they've seen that transition. And if you look at it logically it's incredibly logical not only are you helping to preserve a species you're proliferating that species in a way that's conservatively uh, conservationally minded and then at the end of the day you're making something so delicious that you can't believe it didn't come right out of the finest restaurant 
Well, at the end of that, if you can get people to understand that and become part of it and live that, they have a real struggle to, to, to find something wrong with it. And so, yes, my wife and I live very public lives, and what we do is highly scrutinized. But at the end of the day, if you can look someone in the face and say, I'm not just out there killing stuff, I'm turning it into sustenance for my family, there's, there's a real struggle to make something wrong with that. I want to stay along the same thing with you, Miss Anna, is you're a young lady that has daughters. You don't make an excuse for how you live your life. Do no. you face what I just talked to Walker and Joel about? Do you face this being a pretty woman in America that absolutely kills her dinner and does not apologize for it? Do you have people that come up to you and go, what are you thinking? Why are you trying to teach your eight-year-old daughter how to shoot a shotgun? Does this happen when you do it in such a way that's classy and tactful? Is it happening on the social media front when you're out there? Do you get the haters? Do you get the people trying to beat you up because of your lifestyle and your choices? I really hate to admit this because I would hate for it to change, but I've never had anybody attack me for this ever. Every single person that I've encountered, whether it's social media or in person, has been nothing but 100% supportive. But to go back on what Joel was talking about, about the beef people, what the people that are anti-hunting don't understand is that, and you can give me even more detail on this, what is the percentage of beef in the grocery store that's not even raised in America? So once you get into uh, the, the actual food industry and you realize that we're not even eating American beef coming from Kroger, what do you have up here, pick and save? So, you know... It, if people were honestly educated about what's at the grocery store, I think every single American would become a hunter. I think it's, I, I mean, I know what the Brazilian meat market and the beef market does. Um, the mindset of what it takes to be a hunter. COVID really taught me this. I had many people that came to my properties during COVID and were very interested in what they were eating. I think that more than now, right in this time of our country's history, if, at least in my 40 39 years on this earth um, <laughs> plus 10 I've never I've never seen people want to know where their food comes from so much I don't care what walk of life you are I had a lot of people that aren't hunters come and borrow meat they obviously weren't going to give it back but they're like where did you get this and I said oh I killed that turkey in Montana I talked to you about this story the other day Joe I was like what do you mean you kill the turkey and then you educate them on it and they're like well, I want to try that and then they're not so they're not so drawn away from it. 10% of us hunt. 10% of us are against hunting in America. 80% of us don't really know or we're on the fence and we don't really know what it takes to make that decision. If I, I think that with the influx of hunters right now because of COVID, hunting licenses shot through the roof. Fishing licenses were up 775% in America. Hunter safety courses online were up like 400%. It's our job now as ambassadors or voices of this all of us sitting here everybody in this room that's listening to this podcast it's up to us to keep them and it's all about what you said joel of educating people that in what anna just touched on is that are you serious like this is what this elk did he lived, lived the most glorious life in the rocky mountains he lived in a meadow every day and, and rubbed his rub, rub you know he rubbed his horns and, and, and created all of these rubs on trees and then he walked up and he bugled and he attracted this cow and they freaking made it and had another herd of elk and then one day a hunter was lucky enough and honored to take that elk's life and to butcher him and to make sure that that legacy of that elk was preserved through a mount and taxidermy 
or the ivories from his mouth and the back straps and the tenderloins on the table. That's what I look for in hunting is the story and the culture of it and what it really means to be able to hone a skill set and to consistently take game and provide that food. And that's what people don't understand, Joel. I know that you're shaking your head. What do you got to say? Well, you hit on one of the most fascinating phenomenons right now, and that is where the right bends all the way around and the left bends all the way around until they actually meet. So you have that philosophy that used to be kind of uh, anti-hunting. You know, it was that environmentalist philosophy. But they also have the philosophy of eating organic. So now that, that left person who's got the left mindset is bending around saying, where are our organic meat sources coming from? They're coming from wild game, right? So the right is bending around and ending up at the same place that the left that is bending around. And they're both meeting at organic meat. And where are they going to get that organic meat uh, for the most reasonable price in an outdoor activity that gets them exercise and puts food on the table that is the most healthy, you know, unadulterated food that you can eat. So the right's meeting the left here. And that's why there's so much room under this tent. And that's why people who uh, hunting licenses are shooting up during COVID because people are saying, wait a minute, I don't want to even go to the grocery store. I can go to a field or the woods uh, to get my food to put on the table. So it's, it's actually, we have a really unique time right now and shows like yours and those shows that show that you don't have to be an expert to get out there the first time, the mentored hunting programs where you don't have to take hunter safety before you actually go out and you can harvest something and put it on the table. This is a 10th that conclude absolutely that can include absolutely everyone who wants to eat organic clean fresh uh, meat on their table and that's better than 90 percent of society and it's available to you right now and i think even things you the united states of america and wisconsinites are absolutely adequate and famous for taking difficult times and turning them in, into good things and so if anything negative uh, all the negatives that came out of covid one of the extreme positives is that people are saying wait a minute i can go out there and harvest the food that's going to end up on my table and to me there's nothing more exciting than proliferating the hunting lifestyle the provider lifestyle i love the way you say that one of the things that came out of covid also was that we weren't allowed to watch live baseball. And this really drove me nuts. I got off the plane in Mar on March 17th in Scottsdale, Phoenix, Arizona, and all of the monitors said spring training canceled. I had flown down there that morning to go see Walker and all my buds at play, and I literally was crying. Because I go to spring training every year. It's religion. We're not allowed to watch baseball. You also mentioned the word struggle in there. One of the things that I know about Walker, and I want to talk to you about this, Walker, is Luke's, Luke's sitting behind you. We made the decision based on Luke's analogy of the wind this afternoon that the wind was going to be too high to hunt, and I agreed with him. It was going to be gusts of 25 to 30, 35 miles an hour. Your decoys are blown over. Your blind doesn't look very healthy. You're, you're, the ducks are very gravitational to where they're trying to draw to the, the earth, but they can't because the wind's pushing them back. And then once you do call the shot and you come up, they spook and they're just quit flapping their wings and they're gone after the first shot. One of the things that is that I want to compare to your baseball career and hunting Walker is that this year it seemed like you did not struggle a lot out of the gate. It seemed to me that you got deep in a lot of games. And when I say deep, I'm talking six and three quarter, seven innings before the Dodgers even had to think about the bullpen. Do you know when you don't have it, when you know it's your day in the rotation and you get in that bullpen and you throw a slider or you throw your heater, do you ever look at the coach and go, coach, I can't go today. 
If you did that, do you get fired? Or do you have to be honest and be like, dude, <laughs> we're going to get lit up today. Because if we would have went out there today, we would have got freaking lit up by the Mallards. Do you ever look at your coaching staff and go, hey, get Scherzer in there. I can't go today. Or do you have to bear through it? Um, you do. It, it's part of the thing. I think the old adage when you grow up, you, you want to be, you know, when you're a kid and you play once a week or whatever, it's it's easy to be pretty good every time and you're bigger and better than whatever. I wasn't that kid. I was a little scrawny kid. But as you go through this career, you want to be good. And the big leagues teaches you when you play as many games as we play, like we talked about, like the, the old adage is you're going to have A stuff five times, your worst stuff five times. And somewhere in between 20. So how good you are, I think, is, is what you do with those 20. Because you're going to roll through everybody five times. You're going to get killed five times. The, the 20 is the, the number that you have to control. And, um, you know, you go through it. You get tired. You get sore. You get whatever. But um, that that's what being a, a major league starter is about, is controlling those 20. Do you get down on yourself, Walker? I know that you're an optimistic person. You're very headstrong in your focus. You're a world, I mean, literally, you're a world-class athlete. You're the top of your game. But do you get down? Do you go through dark times during the season of if you go into a game and you get lit up or if you don't perform the way that you assume that you would or that the world assumes that you would? How do you deal with the mental part of getting that shot and going out there and the shot getting you? Because I, I deal with it in hunting to where you want to perform, you want to be there. And I don't think that hunting should be a competitive nature deal. But you do want to take that skill set and capitalize on it and execute all of the time. And sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in transition of like, no matter what I do, I cannot be successful right now. How do you deal with that when the, when the game is on the line, your team is on the line, the World Series is on the line, your bonus is on the line, free agency is on the line. There's a lot of shit that goes into being a professional athlete. How do you deal with those dark times? Um, yeah, like your mental management training. Because we do this as a pro shooter or a sporting clay shooter. The, the mental management, what makes the difference, right? Because everybody that gets there is equally um, athletic with their skills. Right. So your mental management is what's going to keep you on top. So I'm super interested to hear No, I mean, to, get, to get there, there, what you're saying, like, that, that's pretty fair in our game, especially. Like, everyone that's there is pretty good, talented, whatever. Uh, I think the biggest thing is is treating the good ones and the bad ones equally. And not that I have the bad one and I'm happy, right? But when I'm good, I, I should only try and embrace that for two days instead of, I think the natural human instinct is, oh, I did really well. Like, everything's going good. Let's ride that as much as we can. In our game, you can't do that. So if I'm excited for two days after a really good one, then, then I can only be upset for two days about the really bad one, right? So you equal those out so that at least the next three right before you go again are equal. It, it, you can do this in anything in life, right? If you're talking sporting clays, right? You miss the one, you're, you're upset, but you hit the other ones, you're going to be happy for that much, right? I'm trying to shrink and whatever match those couple days where... I can be over the moon or I can want to jump off a bridge, but then the next three are the same every time. Okay. So what is your like get in the zone routine? Or if you end up making a mistake, how do you move past it to stay in the zone? Right. Well, 
it kind of goes back to in a sporting clay competition. If you throw, if you shoot a hundred times, I'm going to throw a hundred pitches, right? I can only, I, I'm going to do 70 of those pitches kind of the way that I want. I think sporting clay is better than 70% is no good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's average. Yeah. Okay. But if I'm 70% good and 30% bad, then I've got to suppress the bad, right? Cause I can go grab a good one two or three times before I get to another. So the bad one, you like understand it, process it, then get out of there. Right. Because the way that I think about it is like one shot at a time, right? So you're being yeah. one pitch at a time. Right. Um, yeah, I think you've, and you talked about mechanics and stuff a little bit, like our mechanics, you miss and you learn from it and then you get into good again. Like it's the same thing with any performance based anything. Like there's a mechanic to it. You make an error. It's probably because of your mechanics. Mm -hmm. Fix that. You're good again. Um, so for me, managing the, because you mess up, you're angry at yourself, but you can also fix it yourself. So I, I think that's trying to, so important. Trying to pick which that's one so you go with. Hunting world. What is? That's what. That's that is the key to your question. Is the mechanics of understanding what the techniques are, and the bullet points of shooting from you know proper your proper shotgun to um, your mount and um, focus all those things. Like he, of course, his world would be totally different. But when you can go back to that bullet list and say, okay, this is the part where I screwed up. All I have to do is fix that one thing. Because when you get down and you stay down is when you don't know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that you can emotionally become stronger by getting back to something that has nothing to do with emotions, i.e. mechanics. All yeah. Go back to That's the mechanics, good. the siblings. Does this make mm -hmm. sense to you, Joel, as being, you made a comment tonight <laughs> while you were preparing wild mallard duck fried rice you kept referring to it as something else <laughs> i was like are we really making stir fried no it's fried rice but now that we got that down you have made a statement a few times this week that hey you can mess up you can make a mistake how do you get past that mistake because confidence is everything in what we do as duck hunters confidence is everything and what anna does is what walker does what luke does what everybody in this room does from Corey to jack everybody making a mistake is human nature right that is it's how you get back mm -hmm. to yep. to to figuring out the process that got you there to even have the the guts or the cojones if you will to try that in the first place right it's not you make a mistake cooking you know intimidation is a huge factor in everything in life you could be intimidated to go face Walker Bueller. 98 fat mile an hour fastball in the inner half. I'm probably myself personally going to lose one over the right center wall. Walker knows this about me. But, but uh, intimidation is a big thing. How do you get past that and what you do, Joel? Because when I watch you work, it's so like, it's just so exceptional. Like we were talking today, like you're on, you know how to speak, you know how to transition, you know how to include everybody in the room. Everybody's at the same level of importance in the room. You make everybody feel like they're part of your family, part of your friend circle. How do you do that? Did you learn, or is this God given talent? Can this type, and I'm not saying that you're the only one in the world that can do, but is this something that can be learned in life to be able to have people gravitate to you like that and be able to make everybody feel that level of comfort to get the success, develop that momentum that snowball effect to reach that end goal that's what we're all trying to do in life right is the focus and everybody reach that own goal of whatever success might be for that individual 
Well, first off, I'm, I'm honored and humbled that you would say that. Uh, I think that I've always thought to myself, there's, there's two things in life. There's cooking and there's baking. Uh, cooking is the art of adjusting as you go. Uh, trying something for the first time and it will turn out okay and not being afraid. So the people who have the fields are the ones who aren't afraid to, to get told no by the farmer. Um, so you have to have the, you have to have the wherewithal to knock on that door and ask that permission. You have to be okay with them saying no. And that goes back to kind of Walker Bueller's point about you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And it's how much you focus and you let the negative part of it affect you. So you can go through life as a cook or you can go through life as a baker. Baking is an art of perfection. Well, God made us all as human beings, so none of us are perfect. So everybody, the sooner they embrace going through life as a cook rather than a baker, the more successful they're going to be. If you try in life, if you attempt, there are people pleasers too. I mean, and if, if you're attempting to make people happy and do the best that you can as a human being, that's all you've got. So when you're cooking, don't be afraid to mess up because you can fix it as you go. And that's kind of the, the map, the roadmap for life. Don't be afraid to do something because you might screw up because the fact of the matter is you're going to screw up. And that's why hunting is such a fantastic roadmap for everything else you do in life. It is an, uh, an evening out, uh, a measurement, a leveraging of what you do right and what you do wrong. Your decoy setup, your calling, your uh, friends that you hunt with on, on any certain hunt, your scouting of the fields. It's like all those elements kind of have to go together, but you have the ability to change them if they're not going right. So the sooner you can admit that you're a human being and you're going to make mistakes along the way, the easier it is to correct those mistakes and move forward. Um, you know, having you guys here has been just an absolute treat, a blessing, a kind of a, a lifetime dream, to be honest. So uh, the more you can include people and you, you, it doesn't take long to talk to people and to understand what their strengths are. And if you utilize your friends and, and, and have camaraderie and aren't afraid to say, this is a, me a weakness of mine, but this is a strength of yours. But guess what? If we're on the same team, you know, we're going to use those together to the betterment because I'm going to use my strengths. You're going to use your strengths. You know, Walker's got a heater and it's a, a diamond shot. Well, you put those together and use the strengths of everybody. That's when the team wins. And that's kind of how, how I've looked at life. And that's a, a blessing that my wife and, and I have been able to have is that we know that the people around us and the strengths that those people have uh, are going to help the team. You know, it, it's like Corey. I'm not going to sit down and try to play a country music song like him because I know that's his strength. And when he leaves, everybody's going to say, man, those guys were great. And that music was great. And, and the, the one guy had the, was hilarious. And the other guy was extremely intellectual. So don't be afraid to find what your strength is and share it with people. That's what life's about. Walker just texted me and asked me, do you think Joel would consider coming on as my life coach? <laughs> um, when, I, when you're talking like that, Joel, one of the first things that comes to mind, and I know that everybody here has dealt with these two words, Three words, jealousy, envy, and haters or hate. What you said about Corey, when I watch Corey play, I sit there and go, gosh, dang it. I wish I would have picked up a guitar instead of a baseball bat. 
I say that. I don't. Yeah, get, but he does sing so much better than you. <laughs> but I don't get envious. It's not of a it. high bar. I don't get envious of it, Joel. I do what you said. You support him. He's part of the team. If he wasn't on our team and he didn't have the cojones to get up there and do what he did last night, then our team's not as strong as That's our right. team is. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't, nobody, I, the people listening to this don't realize that you put him on the spot. Like we went there for lunch and you got him a gig. You never asked, hey, do you want to do this? Nothing like that. Like you had him a gig and you're like, hey, dude, we're coming back in about four hours. So get yourself together. I did kind of put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah, but you, you used what you're good at to help him do what he's good at. And that's part of the team, right? Because exactly. we could have went there for lunch and I couldn't have capitalized on a situation where I looked at that place and I'm like, damn it, we could have a gig here tonight. And the manager's like, well, who is he? And we played, we played this girl a song and she's like, hell yeah. So she calls the owner, puts me on the phone with the owner, Walker. And I'm like, what's up, buddy? He's like, well, what do you got? And I'm like, I got Corey Migley just released his first single, Damn, I Need a Drink. He's living in Nashville. He's from the state of Texas. He's a bad son of a bitch. He's like, well, what are we going to get out? I said, we'll put you on social media. We're going to film it for a national TV show. He says, we're all in. He went in there and killed it. Yes, That's Corey, killer. you created such a fun night for all of us. But you know what I mean, Anna? Like, people would look at that and be like, I've heard singers in his space literally tell me I had to get rid of my social media. I had to lose my account because I could not stand to wake up in the morning anymore and to see the success of people that I'm better than or that came up with me in this city of Music City, USA, Nashville. They had to lose it because with social media, you can get a taste of what everybody's doing. Oh my God, Justin Turner's at another red carpet event with his beautiful blonde wife. Oh my God, Walker Bueller's on doing this. Oh my God. It's like you start comparing yourself and your lifestyle and what you're doing and, you're all, and, and this whole feeling of that you need to be achieving the same level of all of this greatness that is so-called greatness that other people are achieving. It's, you, it's hard to stay in your lane. So you look at everything that we do and we talk about like, how do you get that mindset and go back to mechanics like Walker and Andrew are talking about, how do you get that mindset in today's world to stay in your lane and not worry about what everybody right. else is doing? When it's so easy, you can go to The Rock right now, Dwayne Johnson, and go, oh my gosh, he's working out again? What, he just did another $25 million movie? Oh my God, he's got another tequila brand? How do I get to be this awesome? You're talking about you it's crazy, on right? You talked about jealousy and envy, and there's there's two, really two kinds of people in the world. There are those who enjoy other people's success for them, and those who loathe other people's success. And the people who loathe other people's success end up loathsome themselves. Do you deal with this, Walker? Not so well said. When this week happened, two, last week, I'm sitting there telling everybody he's going to win the Cy Young. Now look. You had a little bit of trouble at the end, but you were the leading front man, in my opinion, all season for the National League Cy Young. This Cat Burns from Milwaukee doesn't have your numbers, doesn't have your innings pitch, doesn't have the sh stuff that I think that should have been. Now, I'm not taking anything away because the dude is a bad son of a bitch. Is that fair to say, Walker? He's good. He's a very good pitcher. But does it, does it eat at you? Does it – I, I, go back to what Anna's talking about. How long does it take you to get over the fact – that you were not in the top three finalists for the for the National League Cy Young this year. Um, I mean, obviously, an interesting thing. I haven't really talked about it. Is what I haven't talked about it. I think the biggest thing for me is like, if you didn't win it by enough for it to be non-negotiable, then you didn't win it, right? So I wasn't good enough. I was in a really good spot, really late in the year. Didn't pitch good. So I can't be mad at not winning anything if I didn't slam dunk it. So, um, you, you know, the Bert, 
all three of those guys had great years and I think all of us would have probably said like we're in this weird group and we'll see I told everyone are you gonna win it are you gonna win it and I said I'm gonna come in first or fourth and and I came in fourth so kind of is what it is what does somebody like Scherzer say to you with his he's had an unbelievable career he's a veteran you're a four-year guy that's mm-hmm. going to be a franchise player and have an unbelievable career, God willing. Anything could happen. We all know this. What does he say to you when – I know that I was on the phone with you the day that the voting came out, and Scherzer calls you, and you hung up on me to answer his call, which really irritated me. <laughs> but what does he say to you? when Does he keep your head up? Is it kind of like that motivational talk, or is he kind of like WTF? How are you not in this top three? No, I think the – I think the biggest compliment that you can get is guys like Scherzer and, and Kirsch when they stop saying stuff like that to you. Like, what's going on? How are you? You get like, then, then you're moving into having friends and peers that are that successful. And I think it's kind of grabbing something from everyone. Kind of what we've been talking about, like anything I can learn from them is a big plus to me. And, and the fact that they're not coaching me, they're just like talking to me like, me is the biggest compliment for me for for those kind of guys we have somebody trying to come in here what are we doing is that bubba Mm -hmm. go ahead bubba you can come in here sure hey did you notice his arms was that some of the first things you looked at when you know (laughs) (laughs) no it's the bandana bandana. (laughs) (laughs) um so as we end this podcast, and I've, I've been very forthcoming with the audience that we, I'm, we're coming back with uh, Luke Steeds part two pretty soon. I call him Steeds. I don't know why he calls himself that on Instagram. Do you have any idea, Joel? Because his name is Steidel, but then my Bluetooth says Steedle. I don't even know what his last name is. <laughs> it's Steidel, but we all call him Steeds. Steeds, okay. So we're going to come back with part two from him because we need to recap the hunt that we had. But what... In, in short, you know, I love the fact – I love those two words together, fast friends. I think it's so cool how you just know with people, right? Like you could just be right there with somebody. And it's a lot easier said than done in my opinion. It doesn't happen every day. But what have you – give me – I'm going to go around the wind. You haven't been here long, Walker, but what do you take out of this life? What, what do we learn by experiences like this? Walker's got a different set of experiences than, than Anna V does. Anna's got a lot different set of you know experiences than we do in a lot of ways with what she's doing as a single mom. And tra- I watched this woman last night. Walker, you got to hear this. <laughs> My circus. We, we stayed out till like twelve thirty, and we drove back to the Airbnb. He had a gig. I get back, and she's like, "I got to tend to these dogs." Okay, it's cold. It's freaking Wisconsin. My nipples could have cut glass. Like it's crazy how cold it was, Walker Bueller. She goes out to this trailer. And she has 10 dogs on this trailer. She has to take everyone out, put it on this leash, put it on a lead, let them run. The ones that are mature enough, she puts a collar on it. She airs them out. She feeds them. She waters them. And it's like... Un, it's I like, just water that late. They've already eaten. It's like a daycare, Walker Bueller. It's crazy to see what this does. But everybody has their own set of circumstances, right? I look at her and I literally will tell anybody in the world, I could not do that job. I would lose my shit after day one. Take these dogs away from me. I couldn't do it. I love dogs, but I could not do what she does. Okay? I can't do what he does. Okay, Not all of us are blessed with that right arm. I can't do what you do. You're freaking phenomenal at what you've done. But what do you take out of being around people 
that are you know that are creating their success through their skill set. You see it every day. You see what he does. You see what I do. You see what he you see what Luke does. You see what Gavin does. Gavin got his he's an unbelievable scouter, right? Even when he's got 10 stitches in his finger from a grinder right. backfiring on him. Jack has jumped in and literally saved our ass on this trip with his videography skills and his work ethic. I haven't seen a work ethic and now I find out he's Italian and I love him even more with it tells me his last name today. Like everybody brings something to the table like we touched on. What have you taken out of the week? that you've had so far with this crew combined? I wouldn't tell you what's crazy is you meet somebody for the first time, you look in their eyes and you do get that initial feeling of like, I'm going to get along with this person. And to me, every single person who's in this room and who's been in the blind with us, they have a different aura about each of them. They, you know, I look at somebody like Corey and, I, and right away to my mind comes the word kindness. You know, here, here's a guy who's got talent beyond reproach that you don't, even know about until you kind of coax it out of him. You know, I look at you and I think Battle of Wits intellect far higher than I initially thought it was. But wow. the battle of well, first impressions. Yeah. But you know, right, that's been that. so fun to be able to battle wits with you. You know, over the past four days and 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 just you know and and, and even Walker Bueller, he's kind of just fit right in the slot right away. And then you got a, a guy like Bubba who's got that sparkle in his eye. And every time you look at him, he's saying, "What Boom can I shaka. do to help?" Boom Boom shaka. Shaka. <laughs> so I think the the biggest lesson out of that is don't. Don't let your ego get ahead of you when you meet somebody because you might be blocking something really awesome that's right in front oh, of you. Oh, I love that. I'm going to end with Anna, but I want to go back to Walker. I know you haven't been here that long, but is it when you see a guy like Albert Pujols come in who's an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer, like crushed baseball with St. Louis forever, then went to Anaheim or the Los Angeles Angels, do you take something away? Do you try to investigate that person and get something out of them? Or do you just let it flow naturally? Like I didn't walk into Joel's house and be like, who are you? What are you doing? What have you done in your life? Who's your wife? Why are we here? You know, you just like let it happen. Is it the same way in the major leagues when somebody with that prowess comes in? I mean, it's freaking Albert Pujols, arguably one of the greatest home run hitters in the history of the game. Do you take something out of his leadership right away? Or do you just kind of let it flow and see if something sticks to the wall? Yeah, I mean, you touch on something. We're always trying to like equate each other to other people, especially the situation I just walked into. Right? I know you well. No one else well here. I come up. I'm like, who are you? I, I don't know who anyone is. Right? But when that comes through, just normal, we're talking, enjoying our company instead of the. Well, I know you know who I am. So who are you? Like that? I'm already by asking that question. I'm already trying to rank each other. Right? So when you just hang out, relax, get to know people, it, those things don't happen and, and everyone settles to, oh, we're all good here. And, and I think that's what you, you touch on Albert Pujols. Like, that's what special humans with special talent can do. Pujols walked into our clubhouse and was just one of us, which we, we've got guys asking him to take pictures because he's a legend, right? You don't know. He could retire. He's on a different playing than everyone so for him to come and be like let's let's all be equal and, and the same as it, it touches on how good of a human he is as as well as how talented that guy is i love that i freaking love the fact that you can if you drop the ego at the door which it again is easier said than done in a lot of instances like i'm i want to be the person that like promotes the walker like walker's the badass right 
He doesn't give a shit. He just proves it, right? But you want to be that person that like supports everybody in your circle that you know you want to try to make them feel like they're as as big of a component and a part of the team as you possibly can. A lot of times it can get difficult because of all of the moving parts in life, and you start to really like have to sit down and take a deep breath and go, oh, did I really execute right? Did I really take did I really take what I wanted to out of that experience? And that's what I'm trying to do in life as I mature is like, I want to be better at enjoying it and pumping the brakes and feeding off of it to where early in my years, like Banded and all these, all these brands that we were building, it was like, I got to get here and do this now. I'm not even enjoying this anymore. I'm already by this and I'm on to the next one. I'm already like pre-planning and visualizing it. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to take a deep breath, pump the brakes and be like, holy shit, this is special. It's so special, especially if what happened tonight in your hometown. We don't need to get into it, but some bullshit went down in the state of Wisconsin tonight. We're talking on the Christmas parade, the holiday parade shooting that just happened. It's nuts. Life is precious. I want to sit back and like and, and just drink it up, right? And I think that it becomes something to where you have to discipline yourself and meditate or practice and have different exercises to create this ability to think that way. Because it's so easy to compare yourself to somebody else and develop what we call envy. It's so easy for you to tear somebody else down because of their success, because of what we call jealousy. On the way up the ladder, and you're climbing those rungs and you're reaching for the next one, people are like, go Chad, go. Go, you're doing it, you're out there. And then you get up there and you're like, holy shit, this is a different view, this is great. And now people are throwing rocks at things that shine. It's crazy mentality. So I think that what Walker said and what you said, Joel, is so like Keon is like, just get to know people for who they are and don't compare yourself. Stay in your lane and understand that good things are going to happen by not closing the door so fast based on your attitude, based on your ego, based on your inability to see the light, that there really is something good to come out of this. We might not have killed a duck on one hunt, right? The goal is to take something positive out of that experience. The dog could have looked at you in a way that brought you back. Tiger, Tiger Woods said it. I can play the worst 18 holes of my life and hit one great chip shot on the whole 18, and I can't wait to get back to the course the next morning. That's what life is to me. I try to find sanctity in something positive and optimistic in just one little part of it. It might have been the way that somebody reacted to the cold craft Jack Links that I can call Troy and go, dude, people love it. We might not have seen it duck, but that made me go, this is what is cool about not closing the door when it's sitting there open for you. So we're gonna end this with Anna. She has, she has, a pretty badass thing going. She gets to hunt for a living. She does hunt tests a little bit different than what the normal, you know, hunt tests are, AKC, UKC stuff. She actually kills birds and her, her pointer is a pointed dog. She'll flush it or point a bird that she'll flush it. And then she kills the bird. The dog brings it back to hand. It's a pretty cool lifestyle that she does, but we got a little bit of a challenge tomorrow. We have an ace pitcher for the Dodgers shooting a Benelli. This woman told me she would outshoot me any given day of the week with no sight on her gun. Did I say that? Yes, I have it in text. So I want you to tell me, and with Walker and, and Joel sitting here and everybody else in here, what is the secret? You talked about getting in that zone and, oh, yeah. and getting back to the mechanics. What is the secret that you attain with your success of the actual implementation of shotgunning? Because I want to end this because we're going to come back and we're going to talk about tomorrow's hunt. And the success that we have because of the work that everybody's put into this. What is the implementation that you've seen that makes us better shotgun shooters? And what can Walker do 
tomorrow to match up with you being a world-class athlete, because I know you're going to talk smack, Anna. That's what you were put on this earth to do. You're going to ride him. As soon as he misses a duck, if he does, you're going to be like, huh, world-class, first-round draft pick. Huh? Real Vanderbilt, huh? I can just see it. Let's start off with just some lessons, please, Anna, as we end this. I am not like that. <laughs> but, okay, well, I was just fortunate enough from the beginning um, of my shotgunning experience to be taught how to think. So I didn't beat myself up before I got started. Um, mainly you just, you understand what your fundamentals are. You maximize your fundamentals and you trust the technique, right? You trust your training. And so when you know what those fundamentals are, you just run that, that list back through your head and, and you start over. So whether I was shooting clays or I'm in a, a, a hunting tournament, it's one bird at a time. And, you can't focus on your end goal. I can't go into a sporting clay tournament and say, I've got to shoot a certain score. I can't go into um, a hunting tournament and say, i got to have a certain time because um, you never know exactly what the, the other comp competitors are going to do, so you really don't know what the win has to be unless you're last. So in the moment, you just take one – clay or one bird at a time and you stick to your fundamentals and you trust your training and you don't worry about anybody else. What happens is you start messing with your mental game when you worry about other people, right? So you know you know who you are. You know what your skills are. I know what my dog's capable of doing. And every single dog that I run is a little different. So my expectations every time I walk in the field is going to be different. But I'm competing against myself, right, every single time I go. So if you don't worry about anybody else, you just worry about yourself and – and stay in your own head, then, then you stay out of your own way. Damn, that's good. Shit, Walker's. Hey, maybe you should just hire me. <laughs> As a life Walker, do you need a life coach? Oh, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of the Fally Podcast. I want to send a huge thank you out to all of our partners and sponsors. Could not do it without you, and we also could not do it without the boots on the ground, Luke Steidel and Jack and Gavin and Tyler. And Joel and Rebecca. And I know I'm forgetting a lot of people up here. Y'all help remind me of everybody else. We have Ian. We have, who's the cat? Who? Jay. 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 He Jay. killed a monster buck yesterday. He better bring those back straps tonight. Cara, I got to send a huge thank you to Cara for what she did for Axel this week. Thank you to everybody in Wisconsin. It's been an unbelievable experience so far. We have one, two, three days left in the field. Walker Bueller, Chase Rice, country music star. They'll be joining us in the field over the next few days. We will be recapping the hunts right here at the Foul Life Podcast. Please check out the brand new episodes of Benelli's, the Foul Life TV exclusively right now on the Outdoor Channel. Check out our sister podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody and Where the Payment Ends. And don't forget to get your new cookbook right now at the Provider Life. Joel, is the cookbook freaking unbelievable? It's awesome. It's so awesome. And is the cookbook unbelievable? It is something that you want to sit down and read. Like, it's not just it's a, a kitchen book. Tablet. It's a coffee table book. And yeah. Walker, you got one at your house. Is it not the best thing you've ever read since you picked up the Sports Illustrated when you were on the cover when they did those naked photo shoots of the athletes? I like that one, too. <laughs> I like all, all of the above. Walker, Anna, Joel, thank you all so much. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. My Foul Life.